Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For our sermon this morning, we're focusing on a, on a short section of one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, and this section of his letter has to do with evangelism. Uh, and evangelism is proclaiming the good news. It is the, the command from God that we tell other people about our faith, that we share with other people uh, the truth of Jesus and the salvation that we get through faith in him. Uh, whenever we talk about evangelism, whenever that uh, topic comes up, I think that there's some uh, discomfort, right? There's some uncomfortable feelings. And the best example I can give is that I think that we view evangelism the same way that we view cleaning our oven. Uh, it is a chore that we feel like we, uh, that would be good, it would be a good thing to do, right? It's something that, that we should do, but it, it is something that we view as a, a chore, something we don't necessarily want to do. It's something that we question, well, will anybody notice if I don't do it? Does it make that big of a difference in, in anybody's life if I, if I don't do this, this chore, this thing that I, I'm a little uncomfortable in doing? Now, through our text here this morning, though, I want us to view evangelism in a, in a different light. Uh, sharing the good news that we live with every single day, the confidence and the hope that we have, uh, sharing that good news should not be motivated by, by guilt, right? It should not be motivated by the law. It shouldn't be a guilt trip. It shouldn't be a, a chore that we uh, dread, something that we fear or is scary to us. But instead, through this text, let's explore how God wants us to view it. And ultimately what, what Paul is getting to here is that to understand how to do evangelism, to understand how we, we share the love that we have received, uh, we have to more deeply understand the love that God has shown to us. Because the more deeply we understand and experience the love of God in its fullness, the more we are shaped and molded by that love. So as that, that love and the grace of God work within us, our lives and our actions change. Uh, as our text is going to say that the old has passed away, the new creation that was created in Christ now lives entirely for the glory of God. And an essential part of, of glorifying and praising God in our lives is being an ambassador for Him. It's sharing with other people the message of reconciliation that serves as the, the foundation of the hope and the confidence, the joy with which we live our lives. Our text for this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21, and this is printed for you in your bulletin on page 8. For the love of Christ compels us, because we came to this conclusion. One died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died in their place and was raised again. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. So as I said, uh, sharing the gospel or evangelism, it's all about understanding the love of God. And our, our text starts with that, that fundamental key truth. The love of Christ compels us. Uh, so it's the love of Christ which moves us and motivates us, which squeezes us and pushes us in the direction to act in response to that love. Uh, and so to understand evangelism, we have to understand that love that compels us to live for him. So think about this question. Have you ever wondered, why does God love you? Why has God showered upon you in, in such miraculous and tangible ways his unending love? Uh, what's, what's the goal? What is the purpose of that love? And I think that when we talk about the love of God, that, that our uh, general view, our, our concept of love within our culture kind of stands in the way from us fully understanding how much God loves us. Because for us, my, my experience of love is for me, right? And what I mean by that is that I enjoy being loved because it makes me feel good, right? I enjoy being loved because it makes me feel appreciated and valued. It gives me a, a sense of, of, of connection and, and, and belonging. It's, it's for me, right? I appreciate being loved because it makes me feel good. It's for my, my happiness, my contentment. But God's love is, is different, Okay, God doesn't love you just so that you can have those feelings of, of, of happiness and, and, and good feelings and, and happy thoughts. He loves you in part for himself. So God loves you so that his name may be glorified. Right? So he has created and redeemed you for his name's sake. Uh, the more love that he shows, the more his name is glorified and praised. And this is a little meaty, right? This is something to, to chew on a little bit because immediately when we come to understand this, when we think about this, our, our minds go to selfishness, right? So if God loves me, in part so that his name is praised, how, how true is that love? How deep is that love? Is that, is that selfishness? If God loves me in part so that he can receive something in return, is that really actually love at all? God explicitly in his word again and again and again says that this is why he loves us, for his name's sake, that he may be glorified, but he also teaches us that in revealing this, that it doesn't negate his love. It doesn't make his love less, but it, it multiplies it. It makes it even more meaningful for us. So a few examples uh, from God's word that expresses this truth. From Ephesians 1, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. He did this in accordance with the good purpose of his will and for the praise of his glorious grace. So in eternity, God made a plan to adopt you as his sons and daughters through faith in Jesus for this reason, for the praise of his glorious grace. That's why God has poured out his love on you. Isaiah 43 says that even our very existence, the fact that God created us, was for him. Bring my sons from far away, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, everyone I created for my glory. We just came out of the season of, of Christmas where the, the, the angels tell the shepherds exactly where to find Jesus, the promised Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, and then they sing, glory to God in the highest. God sent Jesus as our Savior for his glory. And again, in our text, that's what, that's what Paul is saying. 
God shows his love for us in the sacrifice of his son, which wins for us forgiveness and eternal life, so that we live for him. Right? The love of Christ compels us because we came to this conclusion. One died for all. Jesus died for all people. Therefore, all died. And he died for all for this reason, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died in their place and was raised again. And again, we hear this, that, that God has done these, these acts of, of love and, and service and grace to us for his name's sake, and, and we think, well, does that make less of his love? But in fact, the opposite is true. God reveals this to us so that we can feel even more loved by him. And, and the reason for this is, is twofold. First of all, we have to understand that, that his glory is not the sole purpose of his love. Right? It's not just so that his name may be glorified. He does love us for us so that we can feel valued and connected and cared for. The miracle in God's love is that, is that he delights in us. And that's, that's so hard for us to understand, for us to conceptualize, and to, for our minds to grasp that our infinite God delights in us. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a, a great quote about this, the author. He says this, To be loved by God, to be loved by him, not merely pitied, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father in his son, it seems impossible. A weight or a burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so but so it is. God loves us not only for himself, but because love is his nature, right? God is love. Secondly, God tells us this over and over again in his word, that he loves us for his glory, because this is, in fact, a greater love. It is a greater love to make himself our greatest treasure instead of making ourselves our greatest treasure. Right? Making himself our end is a greater love than, than making us his end. And the reason for that is this, uh, self. So who you are and, and how confident you are in yourself, the circumstances in your life, how secure you are, how, how comfortable you are, how successful you are, in no situation will self ever satisfy a heart that was made for a relationship and in unity with God. True contentment, true satisfaction in our life only comes through an intimate unity and connection with the one who created us. And, and this is true because that's how God created us. He created us to find that satisfaction in him. God loves you infinitely to an unending degree. And, and nowhere is that shown more fully than in the death of Jesus, that God sacrificed his own son so that you might have him, right? Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sins, to remove that, that barrier, that, that, that roadblock, and, and to pay for your sins so that you can have this, this relationship, this unity with God restored. So now as redeemed children of God, he's not going to let you settle for good feelings and happy thoughts, Right? That, that is a, a love that is incomplete. A more complete love is, is enabling you and your heart to, to find that ultimate satisfaction in a true unity with him. A, a unity and a relationship that we can know right now in part, but in fullness in heaven. And this is the love of God, which is, is so deep. This is the love that compels us. 
Right? This is the love that, that motivates us and moves us. This is what makes working for him and laboring for him and finding purpose in our relationship with him. It's this love that makes all of this a joy and not an obligation. Knowing that we are precious to God, that he delights in us, that he has redeemed us through the life and death of his son. This is our motivation to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him who died in our place and was raised again. So that's the, two, for the first two verses of our text for today. It lays the groundwork for this is the love of God that moves us. This is the love that motivates us. And the rest of our text goes on to explain the impact of knowing this and, and experiencing the depth of Christ's love. What impact does this have on our daily life? As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So as we are shaped and molded by the love of God, we begin to understand that this means that every single person we have ever met, every person that we see on the street, was designed in an absolutely fundamental level to find their joy and satisfaction in a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And to know that this is a, a universal truth. This is true for every single person. Every single person that we know, every single person that we see uh, is looking for this thing and we have it, right? We possess it. We have peace with God. We have joy that exists even in hardship and trial. We have contentment. We have confidence in our future. We have purpose in our life. So now when we look at people, it's not just my next door neighbor. It's not just the guy who cut me off in traffic. It's not just the cashier at Target. We view no one according to only the flesh, to just another person. We view everyone in terms of the truth of God's word. That person is someone who is so deeply loved by God that Jesus died to pay for their sins. Right? Jesus paid for their trespasses, for their, for their sins. And God desires an eternal relationship with that person so that they too can find satisfaction and eternal joy in him. And now that work of salvation, we, we totally understand this is 100% the work of Jesus. It's not that he does 95% of it and we have to do the last 5%. Every ounce of, of the work of our salvation is Jesus' work. But to give purpose and meaning to our lives here and now, God gives us a role to play in that saving work, in this process. Our text says he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. Now the truth is, God the Holy Spirit could zap anybody into faith at any moment he so chooses. He could just come down and divinely say, you have faith and, and, and give that person faith in a miraculous way. But he has chosen to work through us. Right? He has chosen to attach the, the power to create and sustain faith to his word and to his sacraments, to baptism and communion. And he has committed to us the responsibility, the role of bringing that, that, that faith-creating word, that, that faith-creating gospel message to other people. Now again, I know that there's some trepidation, there's some discomfort with this, and maybe some of that comes from guilt. I think we can all look back in our lives, this is certainly true for me, and, and figure out that, or I recognize that there are situations where there were golden opportunities for us to tell someone about our faith. Where we're talking to somebody and we, we, we could say, hey, I can see that you're struggling, I can see that you're having a hard time. Let me share with you what brings me hope and comfort in times like this. 
We can identify those situations that were tailor-made to do evangelism, to share the gospel, and we just didn't. But even for times like this, Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And when it comes to that, I I encourage you and I, I urge you to live in the joy of your redemption, not in the guilt of your inaction. Right? Live with the joy of the message that we get to share. God is making an appeal through us, right? Through our words and our lives. We're examples of the power of God's grace and forgiveness. We are as undeserving as anybody else to receive this, this redemption, this salvation. We were lost, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But the old has passed away and the new has come. You, you go about every single day of your life knowing that through Christ you are forgiven. You are declared righteous. You, ins- you are sons and daughters of the King who get to share in the glory of God forever. Also, I think maybe there's a sense too that when it comes to sharing our faith that we're not qualified. Uh, today there's an expert for every little small task or, or thing And so sometimes we feel like we are incompetent in being the ones to tell someone about the truth of God's word. But this is what is so beautiful about how God has designed all of this, that we don't need to be experts. God's word and truth is so deep that we can never reach the bottom, but but the truth of our salvation is as simple as it is profound. And it's stated so well right here in our verses. God made Jesus, who did not know sin, to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus exchanged our sin for his righteousness. He lived perfectly and then made that exchange. He said, through faith, I want to give my holiness to you, so that you can live with a right relationship with your God, so that you can find joy and contentment and satisfaction in him. That's it. That's the gospel. That's the message of reconciliation that brings peace. And as we share this message, we don't have to convince anybody. It doesn't have to be a a debate where we have to know more Bible verses than someone else has to know arguments against them. It's not up to us to argue people into faith. God has said, you plant the seed. You share the truth, and then it's God's work to create the faith that believes that word. In all of this, we can never forget what's motivating us, right? It is not obligation that compels us. It is, not, it is not the fear of punishment for not doing this that compels us. It's not the guilt in our hearts that compels us. It is Christ's love which compels us. It is, it is the unending love of Jesus that moves us and directs us to not stay quiet, but to point others to the hope and the satisfaction, the contentment that is ours in a right relationship with God through our Savior to find courage, to find the motivation to do this, lean all the more into that love of God. Right? Meditate on God's word. Dig deeply into God's word to let his love and forgiveness permeate into every aspect of your life. Be shaped and molded by it so that we live glorifying and praising God for the salvation that he has made ours through faith in his son. Through all that we are, through all that we do, to God be the glory. Amen. Please rise for the blessing.
The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord.